Welcome to another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, uh, joining the show from the road. We've got all types of technical difficulties. Tonight has been a disaster so far. Rob, how's it going? It's going, man. I'm excited. i got a big night of wrestling ahead of me. I've got a title change on SmackDown, followed by the Ric Flair documentary everybody's talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm jazzed. And uh, from Texas, Nick Kruger, who stopped us to take a phone call. Nick, what, what was the phone call? It sounded like a telemarketer. No, nah, it was it was Enterprise. I thought they were calling about a past uh, insurance uh, claim about something, but <laughs> turns out it was just quality car. control. Well, you know, I I don't crash rental cars. Things just happen to fly up off the road and hit me. I didn't totally blameless in anything. Well, and that's why I said, Nick, stop using Enterprise. Use Avis and Budget. If there's an accident, you never have to talk to them again. They just take the car back, and that's it. So yeah, I can attest to that. I had a I had a shattered windshield from a truck carrying rocks in front of me once, and they just dealt with it. Yeah, as, as long as there's not another car involved, you're fine. So that that would be my advice. Uh, not that we endorse any particular company; those are just our preferred travel partners here at Oath, uh, where we work. So Oath Colon. Oath Colon. That's right. So we want to remind everyone, please leave us a review on iTunes. Do not dock us for this week's uh, sound issues. As, as Like I said, you know, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and Nick can attest. And I, I think our sound is pretty good. I mean, I hear some where it's just terrible. So don't, don't give us a hard time. Please leave us a review. Tell a friend. We've got a lot of uh, traction, a lot of new reviews coming in, a lot of feedback. We even, Nick, I didn't tell you this. We were quote, our podcast with Cade Mays was linked today on one of our competitors' sites. I saw that. I was I was excited to see that. I sent our uh, I sent our contest winner his alarm clock as well. So hopefully he's received that. Wait, did you did you? Oh, oh, you're talking about from the previous interview. Yeah, yeah. Our previous interview with Cade oh, Mays okay. was referenced in another story from one of our competitors. Oh, so, very uh, good. Yeah, all, all types of stuff going on. So we're going to jump right into the picks. Last week, I continue my epic failure. I go one for six, as does Nick going one for six. Also, Rob goes four and three. So uh, nice job by him continuing to succeed. I'm now 10 and 26 on the season to combine with my 19 and 34 overall record. <laughs> in the other so I mean, if, if there's one thing I can tell you, do not listen to my picks. Nick found that out the hard way last week because we had the same picks and he went one and six. I'm 23 and 13. I'm that's a good record. Fire. Yeah. Now that's that's big money. Somehow, even though we don't pick that many games, this week we've got another huge slate, so another chance for me to fall farther under 500. Uh, let's jump right into it. Washington, uh, five-and-a-half-point favorites. At, this game is at Stanford, Rob? It is. Okay, I'm going to go first since I'm the Pac-12 homer here, and I'm going to pick the Huskies to cover. I thought they looked great last week. Uh, Stanford's still alive in the Pac-12 North, but I think Washington seals it up for the win uh, this game, Rob. I agree with you for all the things you said. Uh, man, you, you know, I kind of want to do since since I'm since I'm tanking as well. I kind of want to do the strategy where whatever I think, I'll take the opposite. So I'll go Stanford. All right, that sounds like a great pick by you, Nick. <laughs> I like the rationale there. I'm just gonna if we just let Rob pick every time, then we'd all have a winning record if we let him go first. Um, Game number two, Michigan State plus 14 and a half at Ohio State. Now, I've been burned by Michigan State a few times this year, including two weeks ago when they lost a game at Northwestern that they easily should have won. Uh, they, they lost by eight, which was which was pretty impressive uh, for them to lose in triple overtime. 
they, they've really given up on running the ball. It seems like they've gone to a pass-heavy team, but obviously they're winning games. They had a big win last week. I'm going to go first this week again, and I'm going to pick uh, Ohio State to bounce back and uh, cover that big spread. I know it's a big number, but I'm going to go out on a limb and go against Pola Costanza, go against my instinct. Nick? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the one thing that has been kind of consistent this season is when we see a team uh, have to really get up and play in a big emotional spot, as we saw Michigan State do last week against Penn State, then get the win in such crazy conditions with the weather coming through and the delay and all that stuff. You know, I think I think that I think that the next week we kind of see uh, the letdown happen, and and Ohio State, whether whether they actually have it or not, probably feels as though they still have a shot at rep- representing the Big Ten in the playoffs somehow. No. Uh, so they. I know, I know. I'm just saying, if I'm on the team, that's what I have to tell myself. So I think they come out and smash Michigan State. So Ohio State. I agree. Rob? All three of us are going to be on the same pick here, even though I think even the worst liars, Ohio State, won't be able to lie to themselves and convince themselves that there's a spot in the playoff for them. But I just think they're, you know, Michigan State's outgunned. I think talent generally wins out. Uh, I don't think Ohio State's going to have back-to-back colossal failure performances. Uh, I just can't see that happening. All right, game number three, Ohio State, a seven-point favorite at Iowa State. Iowa State has been killing people when they come into their home field. Um, oh, wait, Oklahoma, what State. I, Oklahoma State. State. Excuse me. Boy, I'm, I'm having all types of problems. Oklahoma State, a seven-point favorite at Iowa State. Can't read. Um, as I mentioned, Iowa State's been giving people a lot of problems at home. They lost last week on the road to West Virginia. We'll start with you, Nick, Mr. Big 12. What do you think? Um, I'll take... I get. I, I'm going to go with Iowa State. We're going to go with the, we're going to go with the upstarts here. Oklahoma State. Their you know their Super Bowl was last week. They they don't really have they don't really have the wind in their sails anymore. Iowa State I think is outperforming expectations and wants to keep that going. I am of the opinion that Iowa State is not good. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm just I think they're fake good. I think that they got a couple of nice breaks. I don't think they have very many good football players, which will hurt you in a football game. Uh, I am taking Oklahoma State to cover the spread rather easily. Yeah, I actually, I don't know. I'm kind of conflicted. I like Oklahoma State. I, th- I don't know what's up with uh, with our boys there, though. I, I'm a little nervous, but they, you know, Rudolph looked more like himself last week. So I think they go in there and get a win. I think I'm going to use Nick's rationale with, with Ohio State and see that they somehow talk themselves into thinking they still have a shot. Uh, and, they, and they rally the troops, circle the wagons and other cliches in that situation. Now, next up. Georgia, two-and-a-half-point favorites at Auburn, uh, getting points on the road. That's a big-time matchup. And I had been pointing to this game all year as thinking maybe this is the game where Georgia trips up ahead of the SEC championship game. But I, I don't know. I, they just look too good to me. I don't think they can be stopped. Auburn's got a great defense, and I think maybe if things start off in their favor, uh, they can have a chance early to hang around, but I just think I can't go against Georgia. I just, I just think they're they're marching on their way to the playoff. Rob, I just I think Georgia is also very good. I've watched a lot of them this year. Uh, I think they're one of the best teams in the country. I don't think that that's going to stop them from losing this game. I it just to, at Auburn in a in a high pressure game against a team that has talent. This seems like, and this is one I've been looking at too, just like you, maybe the game that they drop. I, you know, I'm not saying they're going to lose, but I don't mind taking a flyer on Auburn here, and I, I'll take Auburn in the points. Ooh, a juicy one. Nick? Um, 
you know, the as as I've told this story several times to to many people, uh, I've had the best experience of my college life at Auburn one crazy weekend, and uh, for that reason, I'll take them. <laughs> one crazy weekend. <laughs> it's had several crazy weekends post college, but in college, <laughs> that was the one. That was one of them. All right, I also had one crazy weekend at Auburn once. You know, I never spent any time in Auburn. I, I meant to, I had meant to make it there at some point in my life. And it's just, uh, the one time I went there, uh, I, I had an unlimited budget on which to, uh, wine and dine some, uh, then rivals employees. And they took me to a casual dining chain restaurant where got, they got chicken tenders for $8 or so. Yeah, uh, but it was better than my experience with, which ended out with me, uh, kissing some young lady in a, uh, I can't say the name of the business in a, uh, a 24 hour breakfast establishment that's famous in the South, I guess is the best way to put it. (laughs) We all know what it is. One time, one time I went to one of those places in Auburn and the first thing that they said to me when I walked in, this was like two o'clock in the morning. I was coming home from something. This is when I still lived in Atlanta. The first thing they said to me when I walked in there was not at take a seat. What do you want to drink? What do you want to eat? Even anything like that. They were like, do you know how to break into a car? (laughs) Somebody locked their keys in their car. Or were they trying to rope you? Yeah, in like a, a, yeah, yeah. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't like a. I mean, they, they were. So, yeah, somebody put themselves in a bad spot with the keys in the car. But I mean, just to, <laughs> to you know, fair, you when, do when you kind of look like somebody that would know how to break into a car. It's it's you know it's well, the pants and the, I don't know, man. There's definitely a look to it. All right, anyway. are you guys ready to get back on track? So just give me a waffle. <laughs> Hey, give me a grilled cheese, please. I like the grilled cheese that they have there. All right, moving on. Alabama, a 14-point favorite on the road in Mississippi State. The Tide failed to cover last week, a 21-point spread against LSU. They had the ball late, a chance to punch it in, and Nick Saban, class act. What a classy guy. Just takes a knee and ends the game. Uh, this one, I will go first again. And, boy, I'm I'm a little nervous. Alabama's got a lot of injuries on defense. As I mentioned, they did not cover last week, but uh, – I expect them to go in there and get the win. We saw Mississippi State kind of uh, come back to earth after that hot start. So, And they last week they struggled to beat UMass, which is one of the worst teams in the country. So I'm going to go with the Tide. Rob? Alabama's very good. You mentioned the injuries. I, I just feel like there's got to be a game that they have not had yet where they they come out flat and they sneak one out. Uh, and, you know, I'm not expecting them to lose outright to Mississippi State, but I can see this being the game where they come out flat and maybe even, you know, trail at halftime. I, I, I'm going to take Mississippi State in the points. All right. And Nick? I'm also going to take Mississippi State. Ooh. And I think and I think I think kind of a under un, I mean, maybe you guys would have a better feel for this than than I would. But, you know, is there is there maybe like a subtle undercurrent with Dan Mullen as all these coaching names are floating around and his stock is kind of rising, you know, especially in regards to Florida? I mean, do you think there's a little extra motivation for him to kind of start, you know, really, really start hanging something on some people? You know, maybe that plays into it. Or that can work the other way. Right. If his agents already talking to Florida, what does he care I mean, that could work either way, I guess. Yeah, you never you never know on that. I think he will have an opportunity to go somewhere else if if he so chooses. Whether no matter how they finish out the year. Um, all right, moving on. Notre Dame, a three point favorite, going on the road to Miami. Uh, we'll start with Rob. Rob, I hear you know someone very close to you uh, went against the Canes last week to dire circumstances. So, uh, what kind of advice did they give you about this week's uh, line? <laughs> um, 
I don't even know. I, the advice that I've given myself is, I, God, the, I, you know, I'm going to take Notre Dame, even though I know it's stupid. I, I my, Miami is just drilling me this year. Like I keep doubting them, and they keep making me pay for it. I, uh, they'll probably do it again. They'll probably win by thirty, but I'll take Notre Dame. All right, uh, Florida native Nick Kruger, what do you think? You know, I, I was in the camp last uh, last week that I thought Virginia Tech was going to give Miami that first loss, and and they just like everything seemed to kind of fall their fall their way. So, um, and Notre Dame is kind of one of those teams that I don't trust either. Even you, you know, even if they look really good throughout the course of a season, I I'm going to have to go with Miami because I would normally pick Notre Dame, especially after last week, but. Maybe they're just a charm team, and Miami. Yeah, you know what? I want to change my pick. You know, I keep at some point I got to trust my eyes, right? I, is this team is good? Like I keep telling myself, Miami's a year away. They're a year away. This can't be the year. They're not there yet. But everything that you see on the field suggests, yeah, they're awesome. Uh, maybe I'm just going to start trusting my eyes. I'm going to take Miami. I'm changing my pick. All right. Well, good because guess what? I'm taking. Notre Dame, as our boy uh, Bino Cook used to say on a on another podcast I listened to when he was alive five years ago. Final I love Bino Cook. I, you know, he was a, a great ambassador for the game. I wish uh, I could have crossed paths with him at some point. But guess what? I'm ta- I'm taking Notre Dame. This is a classic clash. Uh, I think Miami responded well last week. I'll be interested to see how they do getting up two two games in a row. But Notre Dame's been playing big games every week. They've been rolling people. I know their running backs hurt. Uh, but I, I like the challenges they present for Miami. So I will, despite picking against Miami like you guys and losing several times already this season, I'm going to go with the Irish. Uh, last but not least, uh, Nick, consider yourself horned. TCU, mm. a seven-point underdog going to Oklahoma. Oklahoma coming off of the uh, big bedlam victory. So uh, what's your pick there? Oklahoma. No, Boomer sooner, Rob. Yeah, I mean, the battle of two teams that lost to Iowa State, I'm going to take Oklahoma too, just because I think they're the more talented team with the more talented quarterback. Yeah, I'm going to make it a clean sweep and go with Oklahoma as well. I, I was uh, I was on the TCU bandwagon until they lost that game uh, against Iowa State. Now, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Every week is, is crazy in the Big 12, but I think uh, the Sooners have, uh, you know, still have playoff aspirations, and, and obviously TCU does as well, but I think Guess what? I, I love Baker Mayfield. He's fun. He's fun to watch. People don't like him, which makes me like him even more. So uh, I'm going to yeah, go ahead. And- Baker Mayfield is definitely the kind of guy that's yelled at a yelled at a hotel maid or something along the lines. I can see I can see why you like him. Well, I would never I would never cuss at someone at the front desk at a hotel. I don't know why you're insinuating that me or Baker Mayfield would do some or nothing of the sort. All right, we're, we're, we got a schedule to keep. We started late, so let's get rolling. Number one topic, going off the board here, Cade Mays, the five-star offensive lineman, decommitted officially uh, from Tennessee earlier today. Now, I talked to Cade this morning about 10 o'clock. I start driving, and then I get a text from Rob about 20 minutes into my trip saying, with just the uh, B emoji, which we like to go with for the sting factor articles that uh, – the audience and uh, our coworkers love so much. KD committed and didn't even mention it to me on the phone, which you know might have might have been something to to drop my way concerning we were doing an interview, but that's okay. Cade, we forgive you. You're a loyal guest on the show. This has been a long time coming. I mean, essentially, he's been 
you know, he's been decommitted for about a month. I think he talked to the Tennessee staff and let them know his intentions uh, sometime last month. He's been looking around ever since. He visited Clemson. He visited Georgia. Now he's set official visits to uh, to both of those schools, along with Ohio State and Notre Dame. I guess I should start. This is my topic. This is my guy. This is a crushing blow to Tennessee. I mean, it's it's one thing after another. We had on the sheet, you know, last week the big story was uh, their their Vol for Life coordinator, which is a, a outreach program that they had with former players. He resigned, saying he was bullied by Butch Jones. Uh, it, it, that was reported. Then and now we have Cade Mays decommitting. We have Alante Taylor, another one of their highly ranked uh, in-state recruits, also taking several other visits. So this is just it's it's bad to worse and. It, I wonder, I've always said I don't see Cade ending up anywhere else, but now I really don't know. I mean, there are people who will tell you on these visits, he said it's either Clemson or Georgia. I mean, he's, he's flat out told that to people according to them. Uh, he's not said anything of the sorts to me. I think he's trying to keep an open mind, but uh, I just I just never saw this coming. I guess we could talk with you, Nick. You, you spent a little time around him, but and obviously we've been talking about this. Outside looking in, I mean, as an observer of everything that's going on at, at, in Tennessee, what, what did you think when this news came down today? Well, you know that that is, that is a tough blow. I mean, you know that that was the that was the one thing that Tennessee fans could look forward to after after this season and still kind of point to as a, a beacon of hope. Uh, you know, it just seems like it just seems like now in conjunction with with the story of Butch Jones bullying, which is really which is really kind of funny to me for a variety <laughs> of reasons. Is, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, there's just, you know, what, but but how surprising can it be? And, I, and you know, just looking just looking at social media today and looking at other uh, timelines and stories and things like things like that. I mean, seeing Cade Mays stand there with all the other guys that he was on uh, on that visit to Georgia with the other offensive linemen. I mean. And all the momentum that Georgia has right now this season, uh, I mean, it, it you know it, it's got to be enticing to him to you know to kind of want to get in get in with that group and uh, you know with that with ride that momentum that Georgia has this season. I you know I can't blame I can't blame the guy, especially you know with all the other uncertainty past this season uh, surrounding the Volunteers program. And I'm not even sure you know unless unless I'm a quarterback uh, and really good at drawing plays on a whiteboard and. You know, thinking about John Gruden coming up as my next head coach, I'm not sure that Tennessee is is really a major consideration for me as a as a recruit at this point. Going into the yeah. bullying thing, Butch Jones has the haircut of a bully. Like that, if you're gonna cast, if you're gonna cast a bully in in like a movie, especially like a '90s movie, you're gonna give him this Butch Jones like quasi buzz cut bully haircut. He looks like the the jock that gives the nerd a swirly. Uh, so I totally believe these these claims of bullying. Okay, well, take it from me, someone who actually I wrote one of my first professional stories on our boy Anton Davis, who's at the center of this controversy, and he's the size of you know a small house. I mean, this guy is very tall. He's a former NFL football player, an offensive lineman, and uh, he was on The Biggest Loser, so we know he's in good shape. He, he lost a ton of weight on that TV show. Butch Jones goes about five nine on a good day. I, I mean, and I know you know he can be spirited or whatever, and I don't want to get into the whole you know bullying. <laughs> well, listen, it it seems to me, and and I've had other, I've had vols for life's vols for life. I guess would be the term. I'd have to think about uh, how Bob Lee would say it. I think that's how he would say it. I've had other people tell me that 
they weren't a big fan of that program to begin with. And it's kind of contrived by, you know, as a, as a PR stunt, but I know some players really liked it and really, you know, Josh Dobbs, I think has talked about how, how he connected with uh, Antone quite a bit, but it's just one thing on top of another. And I think if you're Cade Mays, whose dad played at the school, and is connected. I mean, they live there. You know, his dad's around. I mean, his dad was a his dad wasn't just some scrub who who you know walked onto the team. His dad was a very good player there. Uh, you know, for several years, obviously, you know, an, an important guy. And, and then you have his son come along, who is is one of the best prospects to come out of that area in a long time, at least on the offensive line. And you really gotta you, you can't let that kid get away. You let T. Martin's son go to Clemson last year and it was a lot of people oh he he might not even play there he's going to he's going to be processed well here he is his freshman year he plays on the number 4 team in the country and his dad was a legend at your school and he grew up i know for a fact that he 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 grew up with you know Tennessee Vols posters on the wall and stuff like that so you let him leave now he's the one recruiting Cade and this is this is a situation i want sometimes you'll see coaches pass on guys because they may not think they're good enough and then it, it comes back to bite you. I mean, if you look at South Carolina right now, half the people that Will Muschamp took in his first class, the previous staff had no interest in, and they would be going somewhere else. And right now, T.J. Brunson, who's one of their leading tacklers, he didn't even have a South Carolina offer, and he lived in Columbia. So you can only let so many of these guys get away and go to play at other major programs. If you're, yeah, but but here's 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 the question though. Like if you're if you're in Tennessee's situation right now and seeing how the season has gone and and given all the circumstances around Cade and you say you can't let him get away, but like what can they offer him? Like what like how what's the strategy for not letting him get away? I mean, what can you? Well, <laughs> he's winning more games and not getting fired. Well, that's that's one thing. But where you know, I I where is the where's the administration or maybe the athletic director having a communication with Cade's dad about the situation? I mean, and I don't know if, if I can't say if they have or if they had, they have, but I, I worked with John Curry for you know, when he was at Kansas state. Trust me. I know they have not. He right, is uh, I, he's a different kind of cat. Man. Right. And it seems like the Tennessee fans are getting agitated with him. If you go by the reaction, at least on our, our Tennessee site at vaultquest.com and, 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 uh, our guys over there, a friend of the show, Austin Price, did a did a video where he uh, where they talk about how it's going to be hard for Tennessee to get him back. So I think if the right hires made, like Nick said, but I don't know, you know, we can talk about this a little. I don't know if John Gruden is the guy that Cade Mays is going to care about. I haven't talked to Cade about this, but but this this whole idea that I mean, I understand John Gruden is probably you know knows more about X's and O's than a, a majority of. A lot of coaches out there, but at the same time, these kids have no idea who John Gruden is. Like they don't know, they don't know who he is. I think about okay, put it this way, okay, when John Gruden was coaching, Outcast was a pretty popular, you know, rap group. You would say, okay, yes. I was at the Prime Twenty One camp talking with several elite prospects, and a big boy from Outcast, his son was slated to be at Prime Twenty One. Nick and I were both there, and I said, oh, you know. Have you seen this kid? He's not here yet. And I said, and they were like, "No, I don't know who that is." I said, "Oh, it's Big Boy's son." And they're like, "Who's that?" And I was like, sir, "From Outcast." Yeah, sir. And I said, "From Outcast," and they said, "What's Outcast?" <laughs> I, I did that whole story on Lane Kiffin when he came back to FAU, where I asked Florida kids, you know, what do you think of Lane Kiffin? And they're like, 
Oh, you know, he was great at Alabama. I was like, did you know he was the head coach at Tennessee or USC or the Raiders? And they're like, what? No. And I'm like, yeah, same guy. He was the head coach at USC and the Oakland Raiders. And they, they like, one kid made me pull up on my phone and show him that Lane Kiffin coached the Oakland Raiders. And that's around the same time as Gruden's doing this thing. There's no way. They just think he's a dude from Monday Night Football. If they even think that, they may just think he's some dude, you know? It, and that's the thing that's key. You have to remember how young these kids are. When John Gruden won the Super Bowl uh, with the Bucks, when was that, 2002, 2003? These kids were in diapers, the majority of them. And those are the 2018 kids. The other kids might not even be born yet. So I don't know. And people can say, oh, the high school coaches will know. Well, guess what? The high school coaches at this point are not involved in these kids' recruitments. That's a except misnomer. In, except in Texas. In Texas, right. they're involved. In every other state, no, no, not at all. Right, they're they're not going to have an influence on on where a kid goes at this point when they've already been on several visits. Cade Mays at this point, when he 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 goes on these visits, and his dad, who's been through it, is not going to say, "Hey, high school coach, where should I go?" Because John Gruden's there. That's that's just not realistic. So there's nothing and I've talked to other people around that what can you do if you fire Butch Jones that's not going to get Cade Mays to commit right now he's going to commit to no coach and and it's it's really it's really a bad situation for Tennessee because this is as I said a, this is a guy who I think is a, is a great player um, you know they've got Trey Smith who's looking like the real deal looking like we underrated him you know a little bit compared to other people as that was a, a bone of contention for them but guess what I mean the way you win games in the SEC is you start with the with the offensive and defensive lines, and you can't let guys like him get away. So I don't know what the answer is, but you know, I'm if I'm a Tennessee fan today, I'm I'm angry. I'm angry at everyone. I don't know who to blame, but just don't blame me because I wasn't involved. Uh, blame Rob and, the, and his That's fine. And, I'll his take friend, it. and his friend John Curry. <laughs> yeah, my best. Friend. All right, now. Uh, moving on, another topic. This was a, a big news story late last week. Arthur Sitowski, uh, Arthur, excuse me, i to make sure I say his name right. Uh, one of the firmest handshakes you'll ever find out there. A kid almost broke my hand the first time I met him. Uh, he flips uh, from Miami to Rutgers, which, you know, a little bit of uh, alarm bells go out, you know, ringy, dingy, dingy, as Michael Scott would say. A yeah. little little so rob tell us exactly what happened you've been tracking him and, and tell us what went down here with arthur let's make this short because i don't think it's a topic worth a lot of time he is not and we'll just be blunt here he has not had a great year by his standards he went to img he's been benched he has not looked like the prospect that we have right in his four stars he struggled mightily uh, i don't think that means he's a bad player i don't think that means he's going to be terrible at Rutgers. i just think that means he has not put it together there like we hoped he I think the writing was on the wall. Uh, I don't think, you know, I don't want to come out, uh, you know, I don't want to make fun of a kid or anything like that. But I think he saw that he would, you know, have a much better time, easier time at Rutgers. Uh, I don't think Miami fought that hard to keep him. And this was kind of one of those things where he gets to go back home. He's originally from the Northeast, I believe from New Jersey before he came to play at IMG, play for the hometown team where he might have a chance to get on the field and play, uh, make a difference for a team that's kind of in a rebuild rather than sticking with his pledge to Miami. And I don't think Miami was all too broken up about it. Yeah, and this is a situation like – this is very similar to J.J. Costantino, who's at Florida State right now and was ranked as a four-star, played in an offense where he didn't throw very much, and he stayed there. And, and I remember arguing at the time, this kid had like 600 yards passing. Why is he a four-star? You know, And then, oh, he's got arm talent. We saw him at the camp. Florida State loves him. 
well, here we are, Florida State quarters. Florida State's quarterback goes down and they have a guy who's been in the program for four years and they go with a true freshman. So Miami's a similar situation. They love everyone loves this kid in a camp setting. He's got a cannon for an arm. As I mentioned, handshake, kill you. Okay. <laughs> he he can throw it. He looks to part. He's tall. He's got a great build. But we haven't seen it on the field. I mean, he did his junior year, he didn't have a chance to throw very much. He goes to IMG. Uh, he hasn't been playing very much for them lately. So the situation is, if you're Miami, you can't afford to to waste a spot if you don't think this is the right guy. Now, did they dump the kid? No. Like you said, did they fight very hard to keep him? I don't think so. And and guess what? If you're Rutgers, I'm more than happy to take a shot on the kid because it's a he has a high ceiling. I mean, yeah, he could be Rutgers, a boom type guy. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You take a chance on him, he gets it figured out, and all of a sudden, you know, your rebuild is ahead of schedule. Uh, if you can get a quarterback like, you know, his ceiling is, uh, it, it might work out really well for them. But it's not a risk Miami has to take. It's one that Rutgers has to take. Right, and we saw Rutgers do that last year on a guy like, you know, Tylen Oden, who had a lot of physical tools, was raw. Nick thought he was terrible. He goes there, he, he plays a little bit, he gets in trouble, and now he's, he's you know, headed to JUCO or whatever. So you, you have to take chances. Rutgers has won a few games in a row in the Big Ten. They're having a much better season than anybody anticipated. And I think, guess what? It's, it's, a, it's a perception win. It's a PR win, at the least, because what did you see from local TV reporters and stuff like that up in that area? You saw a ton of tweets saying, whoa, oh, my God, how did this happen? Because <laughs> people don't know. And guess what? If you're a Rutgers fan, I would be bragging, too. Congratulations. I want to go check in. Speaking of Rutgers fans, remember when I wrote that under uh, over-under thing for every school in the conference before the season, and I picked Rutgers as a push at, like, two and a half or, like, three wins? And some guy jumped in my mentions and was yelling at me, and my response to everything is always, you know, instead of yelling at me, you can bet real actual money on these lines in Las Vegas. They'll let you do it. You can like bet on it and you can win money instead of just screaming at me. And the guy's like, I did, idiot. I bet $10,000 on the over. So, you know, I hope he's enjoying his money because he's already cashed. So good on him, random angry Twitter stranger. Yeah, I hope I met a guy on a plane once who was a big Rutgers booster. We were sitting next to each other and he often sends me emails about once every six months letting me know how they're doing in recruiting. And I try to tell the guy, I know how they're doing in recruiting. So <laughs> if he's listening to the podcast, big shout to that guy who uh, who uh, talked my ear off about Rutgers recruiting. So moving on, this is a little off topic. Uh, Rob, you and I have been tracking this story. Lane Kiffin has basically turned into some weird, almost like a faux Polini type Twitter personality lately. FAU's winning games. He's gone all in on essentially trolling Nick Saban with the rat poison comment. Yeah, it's uh, great. This past week, he mentioned gambling and the point spread. Uh, do we think this is actually him? I, what, I want your take on it, Rob, because I do. I, you know, I do think it's him, and I don't have a problem with it. I saw one of our colleagues wrote something this week that was like, will this hold him back? And I'm like, no. You know, I, I'm all for and you know me as well as anyone when it comes to this stuff. Anybody acting like a human that's not a football coaching robot, I am like head over heels. So I like Mike Leach. Uh, he seems to do okay with being kind of an eccentric and, and nobody seems to poo-poo on him for it. Uh, Kiffin is winning games and as long as he's winning games and he's not breaking the law, he can do whatever the heck he wants to do on Twitter. And it's funny and we should celebrate him. Like college football has this culture, I think, and a lot of sports do. It's not unique to college football by any means where it's like – 
if you're not giving thanks to the offensive line and God on Twitter after every game, then you're just screwing up and you're screwing around and you're a phony. And it's like, it's okay. Lane can have fun. He's, he's a normal semi-young energetic dude. And it sets him apart from his boring colleagues. Like as long as he's winning games, I don't have, I, I don't know why anybody would have a problem with this. It's uh, you know, it's a guy being, you know, actually entertaining for once, which the sport well, needs. Without, without, Getting too far into this because this is a hor- I'm, I'm this is going to be a horrible left turn. But our commander in chief dogs oh, all of his God. coworkers on Twitter. So I mean, if he's setting the example, why can't the FAU head coach <laughs> do, have a little fun on Twitter? Uh, yeah, Van Kim is not the president of the United States. Um, God, I would love. It. Although he might be better, better equipped to run the country. I, I it's a football coach. That's what we have to remember. Like. W- what is the harm in a football coach having a little bit of fun? What's the difference between him making fun of Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh making fun of Brett Bielma or, you know, making fun of SEC coaches crying over IMG? Like, it seems like Harbaugh can do some of this stuff and nobody cares, but because it's Kiffin, like when the bad kid's in class and the bad kid gets disciplined by the teacher all the time, the teacher starts to target the bad kid. Uh, And I think that's what we've done with Lane Kiffin. He's an easy target. And so everybody watches him. And when he steps out of line, even a little bit, even if it's not out of line, we'll roll our eyes and say, oh, Lane Kiffin. But when Harbaugh does it, it's like, oh, look, a fun, entertaining football coach. It's it's definitely a double standard. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't – I'm the wrong per- I'm the wrong person to talk about this because I get in trouble for my Twitter account all the time. And I've, obviously I'm doing less uh, stuff than the press or uh, – or uh, Lane, you know, I think Lane is definitely subtweeting Nick Saban every chance he can get, which which I enjoy as well. Who do you think I tells think, Saban? Like, how do you think Saban finds out about this? Do you think like an assistant is like Lane is on you again on the internet on the World Wide Web? I'm sure, and I, I think people probably view you know some of Lane Lane's antics much like our competitors view mine. Now the question is, does Lane have a voicemail from Nick Saban? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the question. Uh, I hope he enjoys that mediocre money at FAU. Because can uh, we play a drop from the voicemail right here? You got something to say to me? You can call me. <laughs> we play it every week. We play one every week. Uh, if you haven't picked up on that, so anyway. Rob's in favor of Lane keep on keeping on. I think Nick is too. I, I'm a little dubious. I think it could. I think it could potentially hurt him in terms of another big time job because people already, you know, view him as as immature and things like that. So I, I think it's something uh, to monitor. Now, so uh, let me ask you this before we move on. Though, what is the okay. difference if you're going to view him as immature? Why does he get viewed as immature, but Leach gets viewed as eccentric and smart? Well, it's not like Leach has had his pick of jobs. I mean, you know. We, we, I know people out west love love Leach because they love you know that's that's a little more of uh, the quirkiness of the Pacific Northwest. But you know if he were down here in football country and talking he was doing about it in his, Texas and they loved him until he locked the kid in a shed. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that once called a had a press conference where he made fun of his players and I'm quoting him: "Fat little girlfriends." Imagine if he did that right now; he'd be fired. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. That's my point. You're you're proving my point on the uh, on the immaturity. So, I I just think you know Lane's having fun, and hey, it's good for us. I'm just saying I, I would I, you know, I view it a little. I'm a little skeptical. Maybe just uh, the amount of times I've been disciplined uh, for my tweets that that <laughs> is making me a little gun shy on that topic. So, moving on now, Jalen Williams, a four-star quarterback, been committed to Kentucky for. Well, actually, he decommitted for like a week earlier this year or so, but uh, he's basically been committed there for more than a year, a year plus. Uh, Kentucky was one of the first schools to offer him. We had him at the uh, Rivals Quarterback Challenge Finals. 
where some people were skeptical of him. He started out ranked as a, a three-star. The Kentucky fans uh, hate me for it. Um, he's since moved up to a four-star. He had a very good summer camp. I think he's progressed quite a bit uh, playing at Central Gwinnett, where he uh, plays in a passing offense. He had a much better year this year. Works with our boy Quincy Avery. So uh, so his stock has gone up, not only in our eyes, but now all of a sudden he continues to get offers. I think in the past week he got Ohio State. Uh, Miami jumped on him almost immediately when they uh, lost uh, Archer, King Archer. And then Auburn now joins the mix. He's going to visit all three schools. Miami's first. I think he's going to be there this weekend for the Notre Dame game. Auburn already has a quarterback in Joey Gatewood, but they continue to look for other ones. They missed out on Justin Fields. Can this really happen? Can Kentucky lose a quarterback, get punished? They're going to get punished for the second straight year for having a great early evaluation. I saw you tweeting about it, Rob. Do you think uh, – I know you, we, you're not dialed in with Jaron, but, boy, how bad would this sting if you're uh, Kentucky to, to, to let him slip away or have him slip away, unfortunately? It's going to happen, right? Like, I mean, he's already decommitted once. I Let's be logical about this. I know Kentucky fans don't want to hear this, and they called me a bunch of million names when I told them Mac was going to leave them too. It, they're really good at these evaluations. Uh, and I can say for some fact, at least, that they're preparing for the possibility of this happening because I know some quarterbacks down here and some coaches that they've kind of sniffed around on and even brought up the fact of, hey, we're not going to take you unless. And so, I mean, they're at least preparing for the possibility. And it's tough if you're Kentucky. I mean, it's not like, you know, the kid has anything binding him to Kentucky other than, you know, the commitment. It's not like he's a legacy kid or anything like that. I, it's tough, especially when Miami's got this momentum and all these other schools can offer, look, not only can you get on the field here, we don't have a quarterback in your class and we're winning right away. It, it's it's tough. And that's where they've suffered. That's why they lost Mac Jones to Alabama last year is because, you know, there is a cachet with some of these schools, rightly or wrongly. Um, I think in retrospect, you and I both think that Mac should have gone to Kentucky. <laughs> it's, you know, he's found himself in some off-field trouble and I feel like he would have probably stayed out of that because he would have been more in the mix at Kentucky and then just kind of resting on his laurels at Alabama where he never really had a chance to play this year. Um, but, you know, it, it's going to be tough to hold on to him. And I think, you know, I think Kentucky fans won't want to hear that, but I think that's the truth. Now, I, I, I might go the other way on this one, and I'll tell you why. I, I, our boy Justin Rowland, who works for our Cats Illustrated for us, does a terrific job covering this recruitment. I mean, he's been all over it from, from the get-go. Uh, you know, he's been championing the kids' cause for, for a long time. I, I wonder if Jaron might not see what happened to Mac, and maybe Kentucky can raise that point to them and say, look, their quarterback is leaving. Steven Johnson is leaving. He's a senior. Drew Barker, who was a kid that I liked a lot in high school, just has been hurt. He's had all types of injury issues. His injuries actually opened the door for Johnson to come in. He, he's got – I believe he has another year left, if, if I remember right. Um, because of those injuries, but it just, he doesn't look like the answer either. So you're talking about a guy, Williams is going to have a chance to compete to be the starter on day one. Now you could argue, okay, he's going to have that opportunity at Auburn, but I don't know because Joey's going to be there and Malik Willis, who came out of nowhere last year, he's played for them uh, in mop-up duty this year and he's looked great. And I think uh, Auburn's excited about him. So there are all these other schools who are going to call and, and, and it's big, they're big time programs offering them a big time opportunity. But I just, sometimes, you know, sometimes players find this out the hard way, especially quarterbacks, the biggest offer or the biggest potential school is not always the right school to go. 
I mean, if I I was Kentucky and I would 100% the next time this kid is on campus, I would have Max mugshot printed out. Uh, And I'd be like, look, uh, this is what happened with the, you know, the other kid that bucked us to go sit on the bench. Uh, You can find yourself in trouble this way. And we should note that Kentucky isn't, you know, some like downturn program right now. They're having a good year. Uh, They're having, so there is some, there is some momentum there. Uh, I think there's definitely more of a chance that they keep this kid than there ever was that they were going to keep Max. So hopefully they find a way. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, we we knew Mac was going to jump ship uh, and because he told us that behind the scenes. Now, Jaron, I remember accurately predicting that he was going to decommit before. I think he got out on the open market and saw a lot of schools were in a holding pattern because of Justin Fields, and he jumped right back in, and that was a smart move for him. Um <laughs> Sorry. There is a, you can mute your oh. microphone, Rob. When Miami, noise. Miami-Dade County. Sorry, I'm so used to it that I don't even really hear it until you start laughing. <laughs> I, I, well, I would not have noticed that if you did not start laughing. Okay, well, anyway, we're watching this. O- Officer Friedman trying to make an appearance on the podcast. It sounds <laughs> yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah, Friedman's been complaining he doesn't have his own podcast. He's the only one without a podcast, and now he's going to come arrest Rob and uh, take his spot. So <laughs> kicking in the door. So we're watching we're watching that situation closely as our Kentucky fans. And once again, this is why you can never as an as an onlooker of recruiting, you can never get excited when something happens. You know, say you're say you're a Kentucky fan and you dislike Auburn and they miss out on Justin Fields and you're like, oh man, it sucks for them. We got our quarterback. Well, next thing you know, it, there's a trickle down effect. Everything has a cause and effect in recruiting, and and this is just a, more Justin Fields. Uh, aftermath is Jaron Williams finding himself in the spotlight. So we're going to keep tracking that uh, as time goes along. Uh, let's jump ahead. I think that's enough of that. No Womack fact check this week. I had some. I had some complaints about uh, you know Gary, Gary Danielson consistently calling Greedy Williams a true freshman for the second week in a row. He is a redshirt freshman. Come on, Gary. See, and it, you can tell. So, Brad- you said no Womack fact check. You were lying. <laughs> well, you can tell Brad Nestler wants to correct him, but he but he just doesn't have the heart to because you know the play by play announcers often have that big board in front of them which says all that stuff. And our boy Brad just you know this is our first year working together. Brad's real nice about it, and and I've come around on Danielson. I think he's having a good year. So just tighten it up a little bit, Gary. Come on, you know you know that's a you know that's an easy one to check if he's a, a red shirt. It says right on the website he's a red shirt. So. Uh, the LSU SID, you know, I, I want you to take it up with him as well. You subtweet people all the time. You're nothing but an embarrassment. Now, tweet of the week. You guys do not have any candidates, right? No. I have uh, real quickly. I do have some tweets of the week. Let me. Let me. I've got one here, which is making the, which is a viral tweet, uh, which uh, started by the username at tri. XXN. And he says, she hung up on me because I said her dog ugly with two crying emojis. And our boy Wavy Rodney replies and says, girls don't play that when it comes to they dogs, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that got, got 129,000 likes. So uh, that's true. We also had uh, Israel Mukuamu, who's a four star committed to. Uh, Florida State say grilled chicken, the best type of chicken at me, uh, which 
three people. Oh, did you know that that that's that's that was also going to kind of be my rant this week. I hate when people say "Don't at me" on their because <laughs> you're just because you're just beg that that's a clear beg for people to to you know have a conflict with you on Twitter. I well, hate that. Israel was asking. It's actually kind of like a meme. I think uh, Israel is asking for people uh, to add him though. Well, yeah, but I don't have a problem with this. And then the uh, the last one I have was uh, from our boy Shaki Jacquez Louis, uh, yep. who is from, Tennessee from the, yeah from the two three nine. Nick, I think he goes to Dun. He might go to Fort Myers High, uh, either that or Dunbar. He, he goes. They, he, they both go to Dunbar. Oh, for his fourth and Dunbar, uh, which which is an inside reference. Uh, check out Amazon.com. Search it if you need an explanation. He says, uh, MSU official visit this weekend. Alert, you know, the little cop light and a fire emoji, uh, which I think he meant Michigan State. And, uh, and Warren Mills replies to him and says, committed to two schools already and still looking? Obviously, you've misinterpreted the meaning of the word. And he puts that little disgruntled uh, emoji. And our boy Shockey just re- <laughs> replies to him with a thumbs up. <laughs> How do you get the job where you're the guy that goes around and lectures teenagers on Twitter all day? <laughs> and I messaged Shockey and I said, you know, I really LOL that you're giving that guy the thumbs up. Uh, at, at which point he said, yeah, you have to laugh at tweets like that. It's funny because they think they know you. So Shockey's a, Shockey's a real one, as the kids would say. Um, I, had a tw- I, actually had, I actually had a tweet of the week. Oh, well, what do you got? Uh I'm just going through my likes. This one, this one's back from last month. So, so SMU has been has really has really locally, or I guess statewide, is has really taken to doing a lot of billboard advertising for their athletics website, which is smumustangs.com, appropriately named. However, on the way that they branded on the boards, the S, the SMU, and then the first letter of Mustangs is all capitalized. So, so they so. Somebody said, oh, the initial tweet was Joseph Duarte saying, not a rivalry, interesting placement of this SMU football billboard off of Interstate 45, just two exits from UA, uh, University of Houston's campus. And it says, SMUMustangs.com, world, char- world changers shaped here. And then the first reply is, what is SMUM? <laughs> <laughs> my uh, uh, my yeah. wacky story of the week involves Houston. Um, do we want to do the, let's, let, let's get, you want to go first, Woody? Yeah, let's well, let's move on to to rants and recommendations, and then we'll do that. That's that's a good. Lots of tweets of the week. That was a good one there. <laughs> I like Smum. Smum made me. Uh, Smum oh, made me laugh. And, and the guy that and the guy that tweeted that at mke underscore coog, which I guess is that's the Milwaukee airport code, as everybody knows. His uh his profile name though is there's always Qatar. So we have a we have a men's national team uh you know supporter there sort of. Oh man, real highbrow high uh, listener, uh, or not listener, uh, tweeter. We wish that you listened to the podcast. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to TD Dunn seven five seven, the King TD on Twitter. He's a he's a Virginia Tech fan. He tweeted at us this week asking uh, if the show would be on iTunes, uh, which uh, Rob replied and he said, "Thanks, rivals." Is how I start my morning at work. I wasn't supposed to say that out loud. Multiple emojis, and he's wearing Mets gear. So of course, Rob uh, hit him yeah, with the gold. It's my guy. So thanks for listening. And then uh, this one, how about how about this for a surprise? I get a text message from none other than Woodrow Lowe Jr. 
son of uh, all-time Alabama legend and Hall of Famer, all-time leading tackler at Alabama, Woodrow Lowe. Yeah, and he texted me out of the blue to let me know uh, that uh, I love your podcast. You've got to do it more than one show a week. And I said, uh, well, it's hard of us. It's hard. I told him it's hard for us to get all our schedules together, which would be evidenced by our troubles today. And he said, yeah, I bet. I like listening to the recruiting stories. I've learned a lot. Been listening to the ones from the last year. Also, you're pretty funny, man. Oh, that's me. Yeah, I knew it was about putting yourself over. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, uh, thanks, old Coach Lowe, uh, whose son, Trey Lowe, also known as Trey the Third, committed to West Virginia, so at the play quarterback. So just an all-around smart family. Uh, gotta love them. <laughs> now, <laughs> uh, time for rants and recommendations. Okay. Uh, Nick, you, 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 you gave your complaint already or not? Well, I, I, forgot, I forgot that was my rant until you brought it up. But I just, you know, it goes without much further explanation. Okay, uh, I, I got a quick rant. I'll make it fast. It's not Christmas time yet, okay? We, at, when did, I don't think I did this rant last year. One day after Halloween, we got people all over putting up Christmas lights, things of that nature. Uh, Thanksgiving's not a holiday, etc. The whole point of Christmas, Christmas is one day. And I know the however many days of Christmas song that it got people confused. It's not 60 days of Christmas, okay? But that's, I, I'm tired I, of it. With I, one day. I, Never ever found the energy to be able to care when people start decorating for Christmas. Like, I, I just don't well, understand. I don't care when they decorate. I've got people out here advocating. Josh McQuiston, uh, shots fired at you. Haven't had me or Rob on your podcast or Nick, uh, as far as I know. I think I've been on there. Well, uh, of course. Yeah, big big surprise. Anyway, he said, "Don't." <laughs> What's that even mean? <laughs> Christmas Christmas starts now. It don't, guess what? Nobody loves Christmas more than this guy. You're talking about a guy who listens to Christmas music. I'll pay Dylan, to, the neighbor kid, to come help me hang up lights. I'll do it all. But not until after Thanksgiving. The, you know, Vanilla Sky, famous movie, critically acclaimed, I believe. How, how is this going to tie in? I'm very interested here. You know, him and Jason Lee was in that movie, and he would often tell Tom Cruise, who just had it all, you know, said the sweet isn't so sweet without the sour, I believe is the line. If you celebrate Christmas year round, then it's not a big deal when it actually happens. Okay? Make it special. This is this is like people being like, it's my birthday month. No, it's not. That's nothing. Stop it. Enough. Now, that's it. That's my only complaint about that. We have any recommendations this week? I've got nothing. I've hey, got what about the story. I would say, how about the Ric Flair documentary that no one's seen that everyone's so excited about? Uh, people have seen it. I know people that have seen it um, that have gotten early screeners, but uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Uh, I recommend. By the time this comes out, it's it's on tonight. So, who knows? All right. Uh, now we're going to do some wacky stories. Rob's got Rob's got a story uh, which he will tell, and then I might tell a throwback story if we got time. So go ahead, Rob. All right, this is a good one, man. This is crazy. So my friend Mike, whose younger sister is like one of these high-floating professors at the University of Houston. A real smart PhD, a uh, real nice girl. Uh, she's been dating this guy uh, for about a year and a half. And, you know, he's been on vacations with my buddy's family. And he's like gone to their Christmas last year in Arizona, flew all the way out there with her. She's met his parents. It, it was getting pretty serious. This dude last week just straight ghosted her after a year and a half and all of that. Now, I can ghosting somebody you've been dating for a week is one thing. But when you've gone on family vacations, he just stopped returning your phone calls. Just and is completely dropped off the face of the earth after a year and a half. That's insane. That, I mean, that's like 
I'd read 2,000 words on how this came to be. And they know he's not dead because he's like still updating his Instagram and stuff. He's just decided not to break up with her and just ghosted after multiple family vacations. <laughs> Think about that's the sad. balls it would take to do that. That's called selling high, Rob. That's well, well, you know, I don't know if, 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 if we are the experts on this topic for a variety of reasons, but it, you know, it does seem a little odd. And I think you got to get a private eye involved or you no, got no private eye needed. You can just get on his social media and he's like updating stuff. Like where's, it, it Joey, just, Gre- like, where's Joey Greco when you need him? So my, my buddy, the brother was like, look, I love my sister, but like, she's a little emotional. And what I think happened was this guy was just like, I would rather die than have a breakup conversation with this woman. So I'm just going to ghost her. And he's like older too. He's like 35. And I think Ashley's like 29. I got a message from my sister's current boyfriend. You try this. Boy, you're going to be the one looking for ghosts because I'm going to be hiding behind trees coming to find you. If uh, you you pull that with my sister and I highly recommend your friend take the law into his own hands. Well, my friend is an attorney. So I guess he kind of has the law in his own hands. Well, I mean, Come on, man. You know, I heard a story recently of somebody saying, oh, this this guy left this girl at the altar and texted her. And I was like, well, what did the people at the wedding do? And they were like, oh, they just consoled her. I was like, well, what about the guys? Because guess what? If I'm at a wedding and some dude doesn't show up and he texts like my sister or my daughter or whoever you want to say, we're going to have problems. Okay, that's going to be a shotgun wedding. uh, (laughs) Yeah, this is all taking place down in Kruger's territory in Texas. So, I mean, who knows? Like I said, this guy's like old, too. He's like 35 or 36. He's supposed to be the old, mature guy, but not just gone. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm almost 35 and I'm not very mature. So (laughs) who knows? Uh, Nick, do you want to hear my story or should we wrap it up? No, yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, so this is a throwback. People like my crazy stories. There were people uh, very close to me who advised me not to tell this story on the podcast, so I will say a disclaimer. This was a long time ago. I'm obviously a much more uh, put-together person now, but I still defend my actions at the time. So I used to work at a big grocery store chain on the West Coast when I was in high school in my first year of college. And oftentimes this store would have, you know, I have plenty of stories from that store, which I would be more than happy to share. But this one involves a sale on milk. Now, once every six weeks or two months, there'd be a big sale. You'd get a gallon of chocolate milk for $1.99. All milk would be on sale. Now, I would buy it and I would put it in the fridge upstairs in the break room. You know, you tape the receipt to it. You guys have all had retail type jobs or Nick, you worked at at several uh casual dining places where that's you know that was the protocol this is your food if you work at a store you buy the food there you put the receipt on it you can't be accused of stealing says your name generally people don't get into it well i had an incident where you know my chocolate milk my chocolate milk kept going you know i'd leave i'd have a day off i'd come back and half the gallon would be gone so I, I got to talking with old Joe on the night crew, you know, and the, the night crew at a grocery store, they work 10 at 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. OK, so this is these are dicey characters. You never know. Uh, you never know what they got going on in their real lives. And, and, and Joe told me, well, you know, they sell over there in the pharmacy section chocolate flavored Epicac for kids. You know, that way, when they're sick, you, you give it to them and it helps them throw up. Here we go. So, so, I said, so, so, Joe, so Joe places this idea in my head, and I say, yeah, that's a pretty good idea, Joe. How else do I find out 
who's stealing my chocolate milk than to put the Epicac mix into the chocolate milk and put it in the fridge. And sure enough, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think happened? Just a day later, one of my coworkers who remained unnamed went up and took a break, came back down, was you know, check, working at his thing, getting all set up, getting ready to start taking customers. So anyway, I put the Epicac in there. He, uh, the coworker comes down from his break, says he's not feeling well, and just pukes all over the floor in the front end of the store. All chocolate milk all over the floor. And it was a real aha moment for me. And I said, oh, man, what happened? Drink some bad milk? <laughs> <laughs> sorry so that's, 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 that's pretty good it looks like we lost rob rob got uh disconnected in the old uh connection issue here but that'll wrap it up for this episode all types of problems hopefully the extra story makes it through if not uh we'll be back with another episode next week and once again i do not advise doing that but uh i was 18 at the time i do do stupid stuff when you're a teenager so uh for rob and nick that wraps it up and do play us out <laughs>